Savoring Sweetness, the life and times of Walter Payton. Welcome into Savoring Sweetness, the Walter Payton podcast. I'm Rick Tarsitano, joined by Jarrett Payton for our last podcast of the series. It's kind of a bittersweet. Bittersweet day, but you're going to get a lot of different facets of Sweetness's life today. Uh, We're going to talk to the sculptor who uh, developed his statue. We're going to talk to your uncle. Uncle Eddie. That's always interesting. Always interesting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, little snippets from everybody uh, involved in his life, the odds and ends that we haven't been able to give you before, and uh, some final thoughts from JP. But before we get to all that, if you don't know who Richard Isaac is, you should, because he is the person behind My every... Calls sh- me Richard. Well, <laughs> he's already talking before I his intro. That. This I learned is perfect. not to call him Richard, and I was going to on the air one day, and... Uh, Joel, our guy, uh, big dog in the sports department, was like, uh, "Don't, don't think he likes to be called Richard." I was like, "Okay, I'll change it real Richard quick." Richard sounds so Anglo. I no, was gonna no, s- so British. It sounds amazing. I was gonna uh, let me get to Go who ahead. you are. Go ahead. You were Ike. We will never call you Richard again. Ike, the photographer. Uh, you, you've probably heard him in the background at Bears pressers for years. Wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things Chicago sports, and uh, he's with us today. How's it going, Ike? Oh, everything's just peachy. <laughs> oh, he's good. He can't keep a smile. You should see him. When he's when he's shooting games, he's so serious. Oh, and I? then next thing you know, you put him in front. He's always handing you the mic to talk. He's handing me the mic to talk all the time. Hey, man, you got a second? Can we talk to you real quick? <laughs> he gets to the setup for and you. Now he can't get this smile off his hey, face. Hey, listen, man, I'm telling you, those bears – you know, this is a Bears town, and I'm a Bears guy all my life, all the way back to the days of Willie Gallimore and, you know, and, of course, Sayers and, of course, Walter. But, man, there's just like a, there's just like a girlfriend who just won't go away, an old girlfriend. She just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, breaking your heart. And you keep saying to yourself, why am I hanging out with this chick? Well, I'm sure it was. there was some good years with your girl when Walter was playing. Uh, wh- what was it like? I mean, do you remember when he came to town? Sure. I remember when Walter came to town and as a rookie. And we didn't really cover the Bears as much as we do today. Um, you know, we used to just go out and cover posts. Uh, I used to work with a guy named Ron Pitts who actually do what – Dave and, 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 and Pope, uh, Dean Pope and all those guys, you know, the video guys that shoot the games now. Well, there should be a guy named Ron Pitts back in the days, and they used to shoot with an Airy S 16-millimeter camera. And they would shoot all the film from upstairs. And I used to shoot with those guys and just to hang out with those guys and work out as an assistant camera guy. But when I started working here at WGN and – when we started covering the Bears, and I, when I say covering the Bears, it was all just post. It really wasn't like what we do now. For those who aren't in the industry, post-game. You, you only did after games. After games and all. And I remember when Walter first came as a, as a rookie, you know, I can still see this guy with this pea coat and this big apple cap, right? And he had, at the time, I remember if he had a fro, he, he might have had somewhat, somewhat of a fro back then. But everything was all, he was so polite. And it's always like rookies, right? All the rookies are always, yes, sir, no, sir, how you doing, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And, you know, and I was like, what, 20, in my early 20s, and he's yes, sir, to me, and no, sir, and, and thank you very much, sir. 
And I'm like, oh man, this guy is really new to town. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, of course, you know, he always had a good, good, you know, good positive, you know, disposition about himself. And and you know, are you really, shooting games at this time? No, no, we weren't shooting national games. Like I said, we were just covering. So yeah, when, when did he jump off the page? To, like, when did you know he was going to be good? Walter came in, what, in 75? Yes. Yeah, he came in in 75. So from the time he came in, you know, it was just one of those, you know, everyone was just Walter Payton, Walter Payton. And about 76, 77, yeah. that was right around 77 was his uh yeah. was his mvp season that's where that's the way you set the record yeah right? that yeah. that was that was a season where you really saw and like you've seen it over time now where people say that season he literally willed the bears to the playoffs he put a team on his back and when i went back and looked at everything that he did because they couldn't pass the ball. Defense was horrible. And, and and basically, he was the only option, and people knew week in and week out to stop him, and he was still putting up crazy well, numbers. Who, who, was the, who was the head coach? Was that uh, was that Neil Anderson? Yeah, uh, probably was. he came in? I, I think and so. And Neil came in, and, and of course, you think it's bad now with Nagy, okay, and his play calling. It was Walter left, Walter right, Walton up, Walton up the up the middle, and it was such, you know. I think the thing about Walter Payton, no one could stop him. No matter if it was left, right, up the middle, Walter was running over everyone. And then uh, every now and then they had that that player option where Walter they 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 hand the ball off to Walter, and Walter used to throw a perfect perfect ball downfield. I, you know, I mean, Walter put a lot of guys who are quarterbacks today to shame. And I mean, I mean, you know, I got to pause and just reflect, man, because it just, you know, it, it just gives you a brain freeze just thinking about it, you know. And, you know, we can talk, but just to be there to see this guy and, and, and you know, the, his jumping abilities. And, and, you know, we didn't cover Walter as much as we sh like we do today with yeah. athletes, you but, know? but it wasn't in times are so different back then too. But like now, if he was playing in this day and age, it would be it'd be crazy. I mean, all the things he had eight touchdown but, passes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I I gotta eight touchdown passes. I gotta ask this. I gotta ask. Did you just hear what he said? Yes, I know. Oh, I got I've seen, passes, I got them all man. on video, man. I know <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but you and I we travel. A lot. We go to games together. We cover the Bears right now together. So you and I have had some really good conversations. And I think the one thing, Rick, that stands out to me is how Ike talks about that 85 season and covering that team in 85, traveling with that team in 85. And you and I were in London and we got to the airport when the Bears came out. You with maybe some people that were getting off that were Bears fans, but there wasn't a crowd there waiting for them. People told us when we were in London that when the Bears came over in 86, Rick, it was like the Beatles. Like, they shut down the airport because of how big they were. And this was no social media. Yeah. This is none of that stuff. How, how, how crazy was it for you to have a camera, be around, and just see how people reacted to my dad in that 85 team? 
The 85 team was an unbelievable team. I mean, you had so many different characters on that team from, you know, from Walter, I mean, Fridge uh, to, you know, uh, uh, McMahon. And by the way, you know, speaking about McMahon, I mean, we, we can talk about all the quarterbacks that the Bears had. That guy was a real deal. And if he hadn't got hurt, you know, McMahon. It would have been a dynasty. It definitely would have been a dynasty. It would have been a dynasty. It, you know, but, you know, it was, just, it was just so many different characters. And going up to Hallis Hall, you had to be there every day. And it's not like we, like today, we're up there and it's a beat. You had to be at Hallis Hall every day because you had no idea of what any of those players were going to say. What was he like to cover? Like, what was he always forthcoming? Like, you could go to him after a game and he'd always talk. Was he standoffish? Walter always talked. And that was back in the days when we were at Soldier's Field and we have this big tent. And the tent was actually the press conference for the players and for the coach. And we were all in this big tent and they used to bring, and Walter would come out. Win or lose, Walter always came out and Walter always spoke. But getting back to his hijinks, I remember when Oakland moved down to L.A. and they were the L.A. Raiders. And we went out there and we were covering a game at the Coliseum. And of course, I'm sure everyone talks about Walter and how Walter's hands, and he was known for pitching people on the ass. And I'm in the locker room and I'm shooting it. I think I might have told you this, JP. But I'm in the locker room, and you know, in the locker room, there's gang bangs. You're shooting, and so we're we're shooting whatever particular. Place. That's when there's a lot of reporters around a, an athlete. And we're shooting, we're shooting, we're shooting a particular player, and then all of a sudden, Walter comes by, and he takes his hand, and he like vice grips, he grabbed, he pinched right at the bottom of my ass, <laughs> and it was so freaking hard that I turned around. I mean, just a did you almost drop the camera? Did I almost drop the camera? I almost shit it on myself. <laughs> so I turned around and I pushed him. My reaction, and I was like, hey man, what the f And then Walter looked at me like, hey, you're supposed to like that. You know, I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind? Yeah, I mean, he didn't say that, but that was, was his expression smiling? like, you Was know. he smiling? Like, did, did you know him where that? Oh, we all knew Walter. Okay. Yeah. But that was just I know Walter. you know who he was, but didn't you? No, if, we all, yeah, we knew Walter and all. But, you know, from my experience, knowing, you know, knowing Walter, it was really after his career. And, um, and I never will forget this moment. I, I don't know if I told JP. Yeah, you did. I was shooting a game. And. Jared came, uh, uh, Walter came, and, and, and you know, soon Walter walks into the stadium. I don't care if the game is going on. I don't care if Trubisky's throwing touchdown passes. Everybody stops and stands up and claps for Walter. So Walter, he likes, he, you know, he loved everybody. Yeah. So he would, he would walk around the whole entire stadium, <laughs> right? So after he made that, you know, made that grand entrance and walked around the stadium, to the applause of folks. Then he would come over on the sidelines and he'll watch the game. Go ahead. You know what I say? Well, you, you, unbelievable stories. Two things, though, that I want to touch on with him because um, we talked about the my dad getting sick, my dad passing, and you being at the memorial service. Dan Rowan and I. Yeah. Right. And that you guys were invited to that. And just talk, talk about that day, about being there and, you know, 
you, you saw me as a, as a young kid. I was just a freshman in college. I had to get up there in front of all these people on, you know, right after my dad passed and you were actually there. It was, I remember it as one of those special moments of having all of those people in there. John Madden was there. I mean, just the, the names that were inside you, you, of that you, building. You know, and Jared says, you know, he just told her, you know, a thing that just sent goosebumps down my, you know, down my arm because the Chicago Bears, and I remember it was Brian Harlan and Ken Varasari, and uh, they reached out to me and Rich King. And it was also announced that night on WGN at the services for the Walter Payton, Ike Isaac and Rich King representing WGN TV. And I don't even know if it was any newspaper guys who covered the beat. I don't even know if it was any radio guys, but the honor and the respect that the Chicago Bears gave us to come to that memorial, I mean, it's, you know, it's something that I'll never forget. And it's just like Jared is saying, so many people who were there to honor and love this guy. I mean, you know, it's just a vivid, vivid, you know, it's something in my mind. What was the emotion know. like? I mean, you're supposed to be detached. You're supposed to be like an objective photographer at that point. Are you getting emotional? Oh, I'm, I'm back to being not only a fan, but I'm back to you guys know me as being Ike. But it was just it was just a, such a humble, humble feeling that I had because, I mean, I, I'm I'm among the sports world. Yeah, I'm a, I, I was among the celebrities. Of the sports world, but what was the I mood mean, like in the room? The mood was fantastic. It was nothing but love. It and, was, and so it wasn't like a somber no, occasion. No, it really all. wasn't. Nothing, it was just it, it was a lot of people yeah. coming together and being there. And Ike, Ike has that's one of the things that makes him special about being on this podcast. And the other one, I just got goosebumps, and he can kind of tell you better. And I don't know this, but he, the full story, but that moment. When you were around and you told me that Virginia McCaskey got word that my dad passed. Oh, we, Rich King and I were in D.C. and we were covering the game. And the word, of course, was saying it, it was near. The time, you know, the time was, the time was the time. So after the game, we went to the locker room. And as you both know, when we cover the games post Everyone is standing outside waiting for the press to go in. And I remember it was Virginia and it was uh, Big Ed McCaskey, and they were standing there. And I remember Rich, who had a very good relationship with Ed McCaskey, said to Ed, hey, how's it going? Is, is, how's he doing? And Virginia had tears in her eyes. And, of course, Virginia's always been very solid. But Ed looked at Rich and he just shook his head and he said it's not looking good and at that time we had no idea that it was that close but I never will forget what I saw in Virginia McCaskey's ear, uh, eyes um, you know it's a look as the look of just how much they loved this boy I mean this guy was such a great 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 guy and you know and I didn't think about this until way after, you know, after the years have went by, and I and I look back, and and I said to myself, "Gee, I was among a guy, man of greatness." 
<laughs> okay. Oh yeah. I was a name that's going to go I for was, that, yeah. You know, there's the you know the great thing about my job is being part of history and I'm I got a front row seat. I'm in the front row in the middle aisle and I'm seeing history go right by. All right? And I'm and I'm a part of it. And I'm saying to myself, my goodness, you know how fortunate I've been to see all these different people, and I and I know we keep talking about Walter, but well, know, that's the point of this. It one. was just Walter, and 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 you know the as they say, the greatness that this guy brought to the game. I, I mean, I myself, I saw Gail Sayers, Doug Buffon. I'm you know way older than you guys. I saw Willie Gallimore. I the Bears had so much so much to think about when Willie Gallimore he was a sensational halfback and when they trade and when they when they drafted Gale Sayers they were going to have Sayers and Willie Gallimore in the same backfield and unfortunately you know Willie you know lost his life in the accident but then all of a sudden you know uh, Gale Gale's years went by and then right after it comes Walter Payton. Yeah, we've been spoiled with halfbacks, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, just just to kind of wrap up what your experience like was like with him. Um, this this is the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of his passing. Do you do you do any moments of that year from the announcement that he was sick to when he passed? Does does any of that uh, resonate with you, where you can think of something specifically? either when you were around Walter or just around the guys on the beat where there's a story that comes to mind? Uh, you know, let's just go back to the, the you know, JP was saying the memorial, you know. Uh, and it wasn't until Jared just mentioned that, you know, because you think so much about, you know, your invo- my involvement and in being a Wal- Walter. But I think that if I had to look back, you know, of all the games that I that I was there seeing Walter – it, it was probably his memorial, being there. Like I said earlier, I, it was such an honor for the Chicago Bears. Just, you know, I, I, you know, of all the camera guys in the city, to say, hey, Ike, we want you to come and represent not only WGN, but you're part of the Chicago Bears organization, of the family. And that's how I look at it. And that's how, when, when I think about Chicago Bears, and when I think about Walter Payton, I think about them as being a family. And no matter how much people talk about, you know, the McCaskies, I mean, these are some real good family people. And they love Walter Payton. And I saw that. I saw how much. And it was like I was telling you, that day in Washington, D.C., when I saw it in Virginia McCaskey's eyes, and when I saw it in her face, you know, that's something that's going to always stay with me. You ask me what I think about Walter Payton. Hey, I, I saw everything Walter Payton did, but I know how much people love that guy. So that was Ike. Uh, I'm glad that he got some of his thoughts out. I know that that they were a little delayed at times, but he is. A, he's got a lot going on inside that melody. Yeah, man. he's larger than life. He's such a good dude, and uh, I can only imagine what it felt like to get pinched by your dad and what his actual reaction was. I'm glad he kept it somewhat PG. Moving on to the next person in our "This Is Your Life" moment, uh, we, I got to talk to your uncle uh, at the statue unveiling, and um, he. 
I had listened to an interview that he did with the score uh, on the 10-year anniversary of your dad's passing, and he just was such this larger-than-life personality. He's a funny guy, man. He always is upbeat, always making people laugh. Uh, I think that's where him and my dad are very, very similar is just the way that they are. I think also, too, the way that they interact with people um, but when it comes down to it, they are. Both of the guys are just, they're both uh, got their different makeups. And, um, you know, they both were driven by playing sports. And my uncle, in his own right, uh, was able to play football for, you know, some, a bunch of different teams. And then they also, played against each other, too. Yeah. And then also was a golf pro as well at Jackson State. And it just goes to show uh, the genes in the family are just crazy that you could play football professionally and then become a golf pro as well yeah. i mean it excuse well, me we're all going to be buying Jaden payton jerseys hopefully pretty soon yeah um but for my, a baseball team i think you. i think my uncle his the way that he is in the way that him and my dad's relationship was um as he was the older brother my dad was the youngest out of the three and so my dad always wanted to be like my uncle, because he always saw him doing things first. So I'm playing football first. So I'm going to follow my brother. I'm going to do that. Uh, he goes to Jackson State. My uncle does. And my dad was going to go to Kansas and then turns around and says, nope, I'm going to stay at home in Jackson and I'm going to go to Jackson State because that's where my brother is. And I think through that process and then watching after college what happens just with uh, the natural progression of being a grown up. Sometimes you go your separate ways. You still talk to one another, still love one another, but then you get family involved as well. You have your own family. And I think that's where uh, they, they just both got really busy. And I think when they had time to connect with one another, they did. Uh, but the day, keeping in touch now is totally different than it was back then. So, um, But watching both of them together and them being around one another was – it was actually pretty pretty funny and pretty special. They were – you talk about my dad being able to light up a room, both of those guys together, it just – the laughs were always going with the two of them. Taught him everything, you know. <laughs> now, he, you know, he wanted to be the best at the game every time he played, so he prepared every day for a guy who paid – worked two weeks to make enough money – they buy four tickets for their kids and him and his kids they sit on the top row. He he didn't play for the guys on the front row. He paid for that guy who could only see one game. He wanted to make sure he saw Walter Payton at his best. We had a college coach who was as close to Attila the Hun as you'll ever meet. And he worked us, he worked us, he worked us, and we all had long careers. And we attribute that to his work ethics. And when we got in the league, we just carried that work ethic with us. What was it like playing against him? Well, I wasn't under any pressure. He was under a lot of pressure because he knew I was better and I could break loose at any time. But, you know, it was fun watching him. Anytime you see somebody who's developed into one of the greatest that's ever done it and you know him personally, to watch him play is just a pleasure. Was, there, was he bad at anything? Golf, tennis, basketball, cards, swimming, baseball. Uh, did I leave out in jogging, bicycle, whistling, singing, playing a good time? Uh, other than that, he just perfect at everything. <laughs> what do you miss about him most? Well, you know, we were close. We did a lot of things together. Uh, and 
as you get older, you, you look forward to spending your latter years with somebody so you can reminisce on the good times that you had. I miss that most. What do you hope his legacy is? I mean, you described it, people are going to be Googling him that don't know him. What do you hope the lasting impression is that he's made on all of his fans in Chicago? Well, I think that the fans in Chicago got to see him. Everybody who could see and could watch TV got to see him and they know what type of athlete he was. That younger generation who will Google him will find out that not only was he a great football player, but he was a great American. Uh, he loved kids and he gave back to his community and that's all you can ask. He did it the right way. Is there any stories that you think of when you think about him fondly that, that most people don't know? Well, uh, my junior year, no, my senior year and his sophomore year in college, uh, we were playing Grambling at home and we were trailing 13 to 10. And our coach came in, he started ranting and raving and we never looked up, we always looked down. Walter was sitting next to me and he said, if we don't do anything better, there's two people in here, I'm gonna ring their nets as soon as the game over. But at that time, Walter nudged me. I said, what? He said, bro, I'm scared. I said, shut up, hell, I am too. <laughs> so that was your uncle. Uh, he, he genuinely seemed uh, super excited, and it's not his statue, but that the Peyton name was going to be up there forever. That, like, the Peytons in general just seem like a family that is proud of their work ethic and working hard. He talked about you know, your dad wanting to play for that guy sitting in the last row, not the one in the first row. And, True. and that, that work ethic has to come through to be that good of an athlete. Yeah, I, it, it's something that everybody, I think all of uh, the Peyton men and Peyton women as well, but the, the guys, we all kind of have this something about us where um, there's this determination, there's people always doubting you because of maybe your size or for my dad and, and my uncle back in the day, it was uh, the color of their skin, um, you know, being in Mississippi at that time and segregation and all that stuff that you're not going to be able to accomplish this. I think my dad felt that a lot when he came here to Chicago and being a kid from a small school that no one really knew of him, that he wanted to show that he could make a name for himself and, and become one of the best. And he did. So we always have this chip on our shoulder to kind of prove people wrong. And uh, it, it kind of it's something that's special. And we are. We're very, very proud of our last name. And uh, for me to see what my dad did, what my uncle did as well, to kind of pave the way for myself, yeah, I gotta, I give them credit. And I always acknowledge them of, of being some of the, the big reasons why that I was, I've been so determined in my life. Moving on to another person who seems like a absolute character, Bud Holmes. What do you remember about Bud Holmes? Bud is my dad's agent. He uh, he was around my dad early on in his career and got a chance to really know him and know our family. And he was just uh, another colorful character that was uh, from the South. When you talk to him, you, you can hear it in his voice. He's from the South. Got that little twang to him. No nonsense. Tells you how he feels and does not hold back anything. And I guess that's probably good for you if you need an agent. It's probably, especially at that time, of him really knowing how to navigate and deal with uh, everything that was going down in the South. 
I think he was able to to really help my dad out from my dad being a Southern boy to understand uh, some of the, the challenges from moving down south to coming up to Chicago, up north, how it's going to be different and how my dad was going to have to acclimate to every everything that was around him. And Bud was a, a guy that was there for him and really helped uh, advise him early on in his career. Walter and I came up here and I knew Walter was a big joker and I knew he worked part-time with TV people and I knew that when he came up here that people didn't know him. It was 1975, he didn't quite have the same uh, makeup and mix among the races that you got now and I knew that everybody before it, I said to Walter, let's have a lot of fun. I'm going to play the part of a redneck, redneck, ignorant uh, lawyer and you're going to play the, the part of a real, real dumb person that doesn't know anything about nothing. And boy, he loved that idea. And I knew Walter how great he's going to be with TV and I could get on. Go look at his interviews on what he does. And so we got up here and landed and it was snow all over Meg's Field out there. They had a plane in, King Air. Walter got out and all the cameras were out there. You know, he had the first round draft choice to get off. And Walter got out, looked at the snow and said, Jack Cotton said, no, Walter, snow what? He said, snow, what is snow? You know, everybody's looking at him. So we got to go down, and, and Brent Mushberger was one to go do the interviewing, and Walter went in and called, kept calling him Mr. Mooseberger, you know, and they have bananas, and Walter just keep eating one banana after the other and using all kind of slurring and everything. They didn't know whether to put Walter on or not. had live, all the live people out there going to interview him. And Walter got out there and just kept up with everybody really saying what a screw-up fix Mr. Hallison made and getting this little kid from this little black school down in Mississippi. You know, he don't even know anything. And so when they finally came around and they showed Phil with Walter just on and on and on, running Jack State, so all of a sudden finally Mushberger couldn't hold off any longer. Finally he had to turn to him and ask him a question and not knowing any idea what Walter was going to say. And Walter just immediately said, uh, thank you, Mr. Musburger. It is such a wonderful opportunity to be here up here on the great field and be play for the great George Hallis. And, uh, you know, some things over. Brent said, I have never said, man, y'all nothing but your damn smart ass, you know. And so we remain that way ever since. And, and Walter was always enjoying cutting up and caring over the people. Loved, we loved playing practical jokes on everybody. And, and even when... He was disappointed greatly when he didn't get the score in the Super Bowl. And Walter didn't come in broken heart and went down. And I put my arm around and talked to Walter. Remember what we've always said, they didn't pay you to coach. They played you to play football. And they paid Mr. Ditkin. So we're not going to go out there and criticize Mr. Ditkin at all. You go look at the interview. All he did was get out and brag. And they wanted Walter to say something negative, but he wouldn't do it. He just kept bragging and bragging on what a good coach is. Dickens. He got us here and won the Super Bowl, didn't we? And those are the kind of little things that made people so endeared. Instead of Walter coming out being sour and blasted, so then they could fit all, you know, he's just a sour jelly, just, you, know, you know. So Walter's legacy is so follows him so greatly, you know. It, it like, I guess it's kind of like in those saying that. I believe it was in Shakespeare when they talk about that the evil a man does leaves long, but the good he does in terms of his bold. That's opposite. In Walter's case, his goodness to everything is what everybody remembers. It's all I remember. You know, Walter it was the epitome 
beyond epitome of what a good foot and a good father and a good citizen should be. He was everything. And talk about role models today in town. There could be no better role models than Walter Payton. What do you think he'd say seeing this? Huh? What do you think he'd say being here? If he was here, what do you think he would say? Walter would say, uh, boy, they, they, uh, uh, they didn't catch me in all my life, did they? He'd say something like, Walter wouldn't, Walter wouldn't be willing to say, yes, true, all the things are true. He wouldn't. He'd sit there and say that. But now, then when he got serious, he'd say, I am so humbled and appreciative and don't feel like I'd ever give back Chicago what Chicago does for me. That, that'd be what he'd say. So that was Bud. Uh, interesting story, as uh, as you could only expect from a guy who who's working in that time, uh, that that time and that climate in in the in the states. The next guy is the man charged with immortalizing your dad, um, and, and Papa Bear Hallis, the the sculptor of both statues. What what did you think about what he did? Not to put you on the spot, uh, in terms of capturing things. I was looking yesterday. I mean, he got everything from the thigh pads being bigger than they're supposed to be to the ruse on his shoes. I mean, did, did how much of the process were you a part of? Our family was a part of basically the whole process of uh, you know, picking out the, the pose that we like to um, all the little small details uh, about my dad. And, um, you know, the bears were were just very, very um encouraging to our family like we want you to be involved this is something that's going to be here forever so we always give a big thanks to them for kind of setting this all up and the idea that we've had for over 20 some years to be able to do finally came to to fruition and and to me that's what's so cool about that we got a chance to do it together with them but yeah everything from the spat on his shoes to the jersey i mean they they gave all the stuff needed to be able to come up with something special. And I know people out there wanted to see other things. Yes, there's more iconic poses, but we also were thinking about with this pose, how people would be able to be with him, to to take pictures with him and how it looked on on photos. You know what I mean? Like that was a big deal to be able to see his face and to to like get that image and have that image and which is so cool now to go like to the hashtag on Instagram and see people with the hashtag Walter Payton and see him with the statue it does it's so cool so every time that I see it I see his face they they did a wonderful job and I'm super excited I get excited every day that that I get a chance to go to Soldier Field to see a home game and to walk past it from the Waldron lot that's just special to me and uh, the way that they captured uh, his image and his likeness to me is 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 pretty special. So the man that that immortalized your dad, Chad Fisher, is who we're talking about. Were you surprised to hear that he was as big of a Walter Payton fan as he as he is, being from Pennsylvania? I mean, no. is there is that just like the perfect ma- matchup for you? I, it, it was. Um, to see Chad first at Hallis Hall uh, before the big statue was even made and they had the small clay sc- sculpture and to talk with him and to see how like nervous he was around me and then us having a conversation about, man, like you, the small clay statue looked just like him. And I'm like, this is pretty amazing. And 
he was like, man, I'm just glad that you like it. And he's like, your dad is like the biggest reason why I'm a football fan and love your dad. And, you know, that's not surprising to me anymore because that happens everywhere I go. <laughs> it does. It happens everywhere I go. It's not surprising. But to see the love and the time, Rick, that he put into this, I mean – over like 3,000 hours on this sculpture. I mean, he, he really, there's nights that he just like s- did not sleep and just sat there and said he looked at the face and was asking him, what, what else do I do? What do I do now? What can I improve? And that's what makes it special is that when someone is doing something like that, that they're putting everything into it. They're putting everything into it. And Chad knew, he knew my dad and what he was all about. And so he basically took that never die easy attitude and, and put it all into his work. And what came of that was was perfection when you talk about uh, really immortalizing my dad forever. Bring us back to when you found out you'd be doing this, like what that was like, what that day was like. Yeah, sure, it was, um, I got a phone call from my father. I received a phone call and he says, hey, it, we're doing Walter Payton and George Hallis for Soldier Field. And uh, I said a couple words I can't say right now. And <laughs> I, I said, I gotta call Denise. So I got off the phone immediately and called my wife and I said, we're doing Walter. And uh, we're doing George Hallis for Soldier Field. And uh, she, she, you know, she's screaming and she's happy. And uh, so after that settled, then it's like, then I say a couple words like, oh no, I mean like, this has got to be right. So it's like, we need to get to work now. So by that evening I started researching, okay, how are we going to do this? How is he going to look? You know, we got to get these little maquettes done. We have eight, nine months to finish two 12 footers. Let's go. And uh, so we got to work fast. Did you? Did you know much about him before this? I mean, it did, so did it register right away like, wow, this is Walter Payton? Sure, yeah. I grew up playing ball. Uh, I wasn't very good at football, but I, I played and uh, I tried to play. So so I, my favorite person was Walter Payton. So I had a number 34 jersey, you know, uh, and my father told me about the 85 Bears, you know. Um, grew up in Pennsylvania, but it was still Walter Payton. And then I knew of George Hallis because he's the founder of the NFL. So I was like, okay, you know, you sort of know the history of the game. So, you know, to do Walter was surreal. You know, like uh, when my son was born, the first jersey I bought my little guy was a Walter Payton jersey. So it was like, he's the guy. You know, I have Walter Payton's rookie card. You know, like it's that kind of a thing. So you knew what he looked like, but oh. but what's the next level? What? Because for me, I went to Canton with Jarrett. Okay. And we went and saw the bus there. Right. And they don't love going to look at it because it doesn't really look like him. Yeah. So So what's the what's that next level that you, I mean, you, you brought all of them to tears upon seeing it because it looks so much like him. How do you do that? Yeah, it, it and what it is is um, I, I started, like, the talent thing's nice to say, but it, it's, it's really an acquired skill. So... I started at a very young age drawing with my dad and then I went to school for it my dad's like hey you know I think you know I think you can do this and and that's really important having support is a really big deal so it's like but if you do this you're gonna have to work harder than everybody okay so I start 
I start working my butt off in school. I mean, I'm in school for 12 years, six to seven days a week, nine to nine. So I'm doing cadaver courses, I'm doing you know, classical studies, learning about you know, golden ratios, anything that I could find, and I'm learning how to do foundry work. So when it came to Walter, it was like, you know what, I'm ready. Like, I, I, I'm ready, this is, this is supposed to happen, I wanted to do this, and it was like, you know, I'm going to put everything I got into this statue. So, started waking up earlier, because it's a possibility, you know, can I gain another two hours out of the day? So it's like, all right, instead of waking up 5.30, let's do 4.30. Instead of getting home at seven, let's get home at eight. You know, and let's, because this opportunity is not gonna come around again. And if you don't do this right, you're not doing your favorite football player, your hero, justice. So I got to work by, uh, Jared was extremely helpful. Uh, spent a lot of time with Jared, George McCaskey, uh, spent time with Connie, s spoke with Brittany over the phone, uh, FaceTime. What are you asking them? Like, what, what about working with them? Are they showing you pictures, or what's the... the pictures, you know, uh, going through footage. It, you know, I had they, uh, Dan Yuska from the NFL, uh, from the Bears, set up a, an appointment over at the Hall of Fame so I could see all of their archival equipment of Walter Payton and George Hallis' shoes and things of that nature. So I gathered as much information, more information than I ever had. I mean, thousands of photographs. And then it's like, okay, now what's he doing, you know? And uh, George McCaskey said, I want power. You know, I want him to have power. And, but at the same time, I want him to have grace. So, and then Jarrett was like, you know, this is how he'll hold the ball. And these are, this is, and Matt Sui was involved. Matt's like, you know, he didn't wear regular knee pads. He wore his own knee pads. And he took the soles out of his shoes. Uh, he, and Jarrett actually taped his cleats so I could see how the taping was done because Walter had a very specific way that he taped his shoes. So it was like, okay, after this, um, like a month or two of just information, 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 all these photographs. And it's like, okay, now let's start making some studies. So I just didn't make Walter, you know, one time. I, you know, I made multiple studies of his face, multiple studies of his hands. You know, I put, it's just, just like one and done. You know, there's this story where there's this master painter and they commissioned the master painter to paint this painting. And they keep asking him, when's it going to be done? When's it going to be done? And, you know, three months later, he, you know, they're still asking him. He's like, here, it's done. And they said, well, if you, and he did it right in front of them. And they said, well, if you did it right in front of me, what took you, why did you take three months? So he takes them into the separate room and there's all the studies, thousands and thousands of studies. So there's a lot of work that went on behind. You're just seeing the final, exactly. the final. Draft. Exactly. You're just seeing the final draft. Right. So if, if you saw someone you loved, you can see that person from 25 yards. You can pick them out, like their head shape, the size, the way they move, the way they walk. It's their human spirit. They're, you see their soul from a distance. And then when you get closer, you can begin to see details. You know, five yards, you can see, okay, there's some facial features. Okay, those, those are her hands, you know, or those are his hands. And you really begin to lock in around two or three feet of that, what their face looks like. So the same thing had to be for Walter and George Hallis of like, from a distance, it needs to look like Walter. You know, his, his specific helmet, and then how he moved, how he held the ball, you know, um, how he wore his uh, larger thigh pads and his knee pads. And George Hallis, you know, he's just not, he's, 
you know, George Halas had grit. He had perseverance, you know, some tenacity. So, like, when he stepped on the field, you know, it was George Halas. I mean, you know, thunder came out. So, it was, it's a big deal. So, you know, he just can't be willy-nilly walking around pointing. You know, he has to step with power, you know. So, that ferociousness has to come out in him. And uh, same with Walter. I mean, Walter, like, you want to look at the statue, but I wanted you to look at the statue and also be like, all right, maybe I'm going to stand over to the side a little bit because this train's about to come flying through. Right. So, Yeah, and it's it really does, again, come through. Both Looking at both of them, everything that you described comes through. I guess one thing that I want to know, the last thing, what do you hope that people take away from this? I mean, because you, you have to understand how important the Bears are to the city of Chicago. Right. What do you hope that people take away when they come and they see these? So when you look at a work of art, they say in the average of a museum, it's three to 10 seconds. So if you look at a sculpture or a painting, you, you look at it for three to 10 seconds. And in that three to 10 seconds, you have any opportunity to do what you can to the viewer. And I would like to think that if the, whoever looks at this is inspired and then they have a moment of peace that like, I, like their hero is well represented. You know, I'm not, I wasn't born in Chicago, but I'm trying to get my kids to go to Northwestern or University of Illinois. Like, I love this city. I love this city. So I wanted to do right, not only by the Bears and the Peyton family, but by Chicago as well. So those are the last couple snippets uh, that we had from the leftover. We figured it was a fitting day to do it on the 20th anniversary of uh, Walter Peyton's passing. Uh, before we sign off for the last time, I just wanted your final thoughts on what this process was like for you and what you... Does this day every year mean anything to you? Do you are you reminded of things? Do you think does it is it I know you think about them every day, but does it rehash certain things that you don't usually think of? Like what does this day mean to you? Well, it's a, a combination of just a, a bunch of thoughts. It's just it's kind of uh, I don't know. It's a, it's always always a weird day just because, you know, I I think about him every single day, and I think about him on that day probably even more than ever. But then I think about it, it takes me back to that day when I was at home and just everything that went on and how I always talk about how my life is really not normal, and that day was just not normal. It just wasn't. From the start? From, from, from just like from the – from the start to my dad passing to how we had to go about everything and and you know when things happen with your family you just want to be able to we, in some ways you felt like you were in a bubble in some ways that all these people are on the outside and you're on the inside and everybody like wants to know and phone calls are being made and you can't say this and say that and I just was like I just need time to like get my head together and uh, to have that day kind of come back into your brain it is it's it's kind of like bittersweet it's 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 kind of a, a weird day for me that's why I always have a hard time with with Halloween because that probably Halloween takes me back even more than just the day because a lot of stuff happened for me on that on Halloween as well like being home and all my friends were asking me why I was home and I was like I'm just here to see my dad and they knew that I was playing football so it was like okay what's going on here and I went out that night, and as I went out that night, I didn't feel right, and I went, I went home, and by the time I got home, I just had a bad feeling. 
And I went to bed and woke up, still had that same feeling in my gut, like something's not right. Having that feeling in my gut, like, man, something's not right. And I don't know, just a lot of stuff happened. It's almost like being on a football field where they always say you got to keep your head on a swivel because you don't want to get hit. That's kind of how the day was on November 1st back in 99. It's just a lot of stuff going on. Family, everybody trying to figure it out. Um, no real time to like sit and grieve and, and when, when you're making plans for someone that's famous. It's, there's really no time. What have you, through doing this, I'm sure it's rehashed people's appreciation for your dad and for you. What's the feedback been like in, in hearing these stories from people? I mean, do, what's it like to be Walter Payton's son on a daily basis 20 mm-hmm. years later? It's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, there's a lot that comes with it because, you know, you want to deal with what, you know, that's your dad and he was ours. He was everybody else's. So everybody else has stories. Everybody else has a, you know, a moment where they met him. And so for me, it's, I think about 20 years later and how much I've grown as a person, how much I've grown as a man, now how I'm growing as a, a husband and a father. And I don't know, it just takes back to memories of like, man, I remember being with my dad doing some of the things that I'm doing now, like going to his restaurant or one of his bars. Like I have one of those now. So, you know, and I used to go with him all the time. Now my kids go with me all the time. And it though it's, it's the little things now of seeing how similar we actually are and on the field, we, I mean, I was never trying to be like him. There was only one him. But off the field, I really do try to be like him. I'm, I think it's more of a struggle there than it is when I was playing football. Because in football, it's about numbers, it's about touchdowns, it's about championships. And off the field, it's just about who you are. Are you a good person? And I it's just struggle with wanting to be a great person and someone that people will remember kind of like they remember him. I don't think you have anything to worry about <laughs> because uh, I can speak for everybody on behalf of this building. When you come into a room, everything's better. <laughs> and I, I genuinely mean that. I'm not just saying that as lip service. You are one of the one of the best parts of, of a work day just because there and maybe it's not always a genuine smile but there is not a time where I look over and you're not smiling or if or if they are if there is a time then Miami or the Bears are losing I have I've figured it out I have figured out how to to capture that skill from my dad I literally saw him do that thousands of times where he would not he would leave the house and be in a bad mood and we get somewhere around a bunch of people and the next thing you know it was like nothing ever happened and he would be smiling and I'd be always at a kid I'd be like it's like 30 minutes ago you were like (laughs) upset about something and I don't know I just feel like he had this 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 knack to really know that when people were around him um they felt better and he brought them joy and made them feel better about themselves. And, um, I don't know. I I think, I don't even think I do it like 
consciously knowing. I think it's just something that I've learned over the years to be able to do. And I think it's something that our whole family does. And it's not like we just, I don't know, we can just kind of put it back and do what we need to do. And we'll, not that we're hiding from anything or we're trying to like block it. We eventually get to it. No, but it's we, right. We eventually right, right, get right. to it. Yeah. But, but for right now, man, it's about interacting with people. This is about getting to know you. Like those problems are still going to be there. We'll, we'll attack them. But for right now, when we're out, let's, let's talk. Let's, and that always makes me feel better. So it's, it seems like when, when, it, like you were bringing up before about the, the sick game with your dad, like you, you have all of this stuff that you have to deal with, but when you're in the game, when you're in the moment with another person, you put it all aside and you just kind of have that blackout. Yeah, cool. I, I have a task ahead of me. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's, let's hug it out. Let's talk. Let's learn about you. What's your family like? Hey, what's your name? Let's hang out. You know? Yeah, man. You never want to miss out on an opportunity like that. You never want to miss out on an opportunity to impact somebody's life. You never want to miss out on an opportunity to hear a story and life is too short. That's what I've learned uh, through this process with you even more so now because I knew it, but now it puts it in perspective. Life's too short. So enjoy the ones that are around you. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Uh, my dad would always, would, he would say that all the time. He would say, life's too short. And don't make your decisions because of me. Don't make your decision to go to college where, you know, to be closer to home, Jared. Make your decisions what's better, what's best for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, you don't know what's going to happen to me. And I'm like, yeah, Dad, but I want to be close. No, no, no. What's going to be best for you in the long run? And um, I think you made the right decision with Miami, just based on the stories you told me about the guys that went there. Yeah. And, and those guys cared for me, too. And they were with me through a lot of this. And that, they're a big reason why I was able to keep my head on straight because there was so much going on. And I was back, I was at school, and then everybody's talking to me what's going on. It was hard to kind of deal with. And all my teammates were there for me through the, that process. And even when I came back after he passed, they were all there for me too. Like, yo, you family, we got you. And There's shots of you on the sideline, the, the game, the following game, and, and they're – everybody has got a hand on you there it there wasn't a second where it looked like somebody wasn't touching you in yeah, some way they got me man they always had me so um i did make the right decision and man when it comes down to this whole thing it goes back to what we always talked about from the beginning is that yeah he was my dad but the greatest part is not hearing stories from me the greatest part is hearing stories from his friends and the fans. And they're the ones that helped us create this. They're the ones that helped us, you know, as much as we put into it, you put into it, the fans that were out there that cared about him, that loved him, that respected him, that watched him, that, uh, you know, cried when he passed, that uh, yelled when he scored a touchdown. They're the ones that helped keep his legacy alive. They're the ones that helped out by sending the emails. They're the ones who watched this at home right before the first game because they wanted to see this and connect with this and relive stuff and show their kids. They're the ones that helped keep his legacy alive with us. So without them throughout this process, 
I don't know if it's possible. I don't think it is. And I thank you for, for allowing me to shepherd this process. I, I celebrated a very special birthday yesterday, 34. Yes, sir. 3-4. Um, just it, there's so much that came together all at once, and I, I couldn't have done it without you, obviously. And uh, we couldn't have done it without all the listeners. So thank you all so much for listening. Um, I hope you come back and revisit all 10 of these episodes. And uh, I hope you do what Jared said and just be in the moment and be with people because life is too short.